This episode is brought to you by Soundstripe. This is Oakley Anderson Moore, and you're listening to the No Film School Podcast. What do you get when a group of Santa Fe art punks walks into a bowling alley? No joke, there's not a punchline crazier than the true story of the collective called Meow Wolf. After years of eking out a very passionate existence, on the outside of a very large and somewhat rigid art scene in Santa Fe, members of the collective decided that instead of waiting for the art world to accept them, they would make a new art world. As you get to see in the new documentary, Meow Wolf origin story, the capitulating gamble for them, was buying a bowling alley and converting it into a new kind of non-linear storytelling experience called the House of Eternal Return. Meow Wolf hoped that at least a few people would want to come and explore this new creation. As it turns out, in the first year, over 400,000 people came through their doors. In this conversation, I got to sit down with two talented filmmakers, Morgan Capps and Jalan Spitzmiller, who made Meow Wolf origin story, and who also happened to be film directors in the developing entertainment wing of Meow Wolf. We talk about making a documentary that captures the creative ethos of its subjects, as well as the possibilities of continued growth at Meow Wolf, which now has income to hire more artists, expand to more cities, and develop a production studio that could be a really interesting place for filmmakers. Who knows? This could be a place where you would fit right in. Thank you guys for sitting down with me. Do me a favor, introduce yourselves and tell us what, what your role was on this film. So glad to be here. I'm Jillian Spitzmiller and I'm a, a directing partner of Morgan Caps. We uh, made the film together over a crazy year, I guess you would say. And um, yeah, we're, we're psyched to be talking with you. Yeah, I'm Morgan. This is what my voice sounds like. <laughs> 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 well, awesome. It's so cool to have you guys here. I guess the first thing I kind of want to find out is what was your introduction to this, as it's described in the film, kind of like amorphous entity that lures people in that is Meow Wolf. How did either of you find out about Meow Wolf and how did it reach you? you know, yeah, that kind of background. So I'm not from New Mexico. I'd never been to Santa Fe before. I moved out here to work on another film, Sight Unseen. I didn't know anyone. It's a small town. And so asking around, you hear about the young people in town. It's Meow Wolf. They're doing this thing. They're, they're building this thing in town. It's going to be like a psychedelic Disneyland. And so I, I was able to go meet some people um, and started volunteering making trees while working on this other film. And then started documenting the process and then over time found myself directing the film um, and then was united with um, creative collaborator Jalan and we kind of took the project off the ground together. Yeah, so I've lived in Santa Fe. This is my second time around and I lived here. I've lived here since 2006 um, this time and um, have been hearing about Meow Wolf all these years, but in a very peripheral way. I'm sort of in a different stage of my life where I'm like having kids and, you know, not going out to parties at 2 a.m. So um, I sort of missed that part of Meow not Wolf. Drinking vodka in a basement with a costumes and things yeah no I I wish I was I'm more like doing dinosaur things during the day with a two-year-old but (laughs) which is you know a whole different scenario but um actually I'm I'm a been a documentary filmmaker for my 
uh, entire career and was really excited to be brought on to this project. Um, you know, sort of in the last phase of it, we, a lot of stuff had been shot and, um, I came in as a story consultant and then just really became part of the team with Morgan being very welcoming and, um, collaborative. And so we, kind of just kept, you know, taking the ball forward and we shot some more interviews, we shot some more B-roll, we sort of shot the third act of the film together um, and then, you know, I've spent the last year working with our editor, Alessandra Calsa, and, um, you know, trying to put this beast together. <laughs> you sort of referenced, you know, this crazy energy that is Meow Wolf. We think of it as this beast that kind of just has all these tentacles reaching out and it pulls you in and you have no choice. So here we were together, chosen by the beast to um, portray one aspect of itself. Right. <laughs> and, the, and the film started as a much smaller project, I think. It started as people are so curious about what's our story. We're getting this question now that it's opened. And so they just wanted to put something together for the gift shop. And um, as we were as we were filmmakers, um, it, it became clear that the story was so much bigger than you know a list of the shows that they participated in. It's about this organism that they're growing, this new platform, this thing that they're endeavoring. And so we couldn't just kind of, you know, accept what we had. We we were kind of compelled to push keep pushing the story and keep shooting and keep asking deeper and deeper questions. Um, and then we, then we were really in trouble with the amount of footage and interview <laughs> material we had. And Meow Wolf is this art collective that began in 2008, and it was basically a bunch of young 20-somethings who felt shut out of the art world, and so they just started creating their own thing. They all went in together on a warehouse space and, you know, 100 bucks each a month, which was a real stretch for each of them, but that began their story, and... So there's all this sort of crazy archival footage from those days that people would shoot on their flip phones when video wasn't really happening on phones and high eight and, you know, all kinds of we. So we amassed and gathered and pestered people, you know, for uh, many months to to grab all this footage and that kind of folded into the stuff that we shot um, and you know, like Morgan was saying, you know, it started off as a simpler project, but we could really see these sort of deep universal themes and these things that were really interesting, no matter if you were an artist or not. You know, this story is a unlikely success story, really, of these people who just persevered with a vision and went through many phases and had many failures and, you know, but loved and hated each other all at the same time throughout it all. And we really think, you know, that they are, they're doing something important in the art world. They're, they're blowing ho open a portal of access where none existed before. And that, I think for me, that was really compelling because, you know, I've sort of lived peripherally in that art world and felt that exclusivity, felt that elitism and, and hated that part of it, you know, felt like creativity is for all of us. Creativity is everyone's right. And I think that's where Meow Wolf is coming from too. And so that's what I was really interested in, in this story. Yeah, absolutely. And there's like one cool aspect about Meow Wolf that you guys make a big point to, to, to have come across in the film is that how they are about radical inclusivity that's like their phrase in the film they use it like there's no there's there's a eschewing of hierarchies and there's everyone can be involved so as filmmakers having like a 
dozens of equally appropriate members of people who could be the main characters in your film as sort of a potential nightmare. How did you decide which Meow Wolfers were going to be the best people to be telling the story for Meow Wolf? Well, that was probably one of the, the most challenging things was identifying our characters because, you know, the film is about these people that brought it together, but not just, we kind of have seven main characters in the film. It's not just them, it's, it's a group that's over 100 people, and everyone has their own individual story within the group and how they've contributed. But ultimately, we ended up you know, focusing on the owner, the, the ones who became owners of the business, who are now you know, chief officers um, of this business, and all started out as like, you know, Matt was working at Denny's before <laughs> Meow Wolf opened. You know, he quit to work at Meow Wolf, you know, two years ago. So um, it, was, it was really a process of kind of elevating the voices that have been involved with the group the longest to span the 10 years that we're covering in the film. Um, but it was hard, I'm, you know. And there was a phase of editing where we tried to include a lot more voices and it just became too muddled, you know, and it was so, you know, and ultimately you have to kind of streamline that without oversimplifying it, hopefully. And hopefully you feel their presence and like character in a lot of the footage you see of the group, um, even if we don't get to hear from everyone directly. Um, but also those, those seven, those are the pushers. You know, those are the ones that have been relentless in this vision, and so... Um, and who've really stuck through the hard times, you know, too. And so House of Eternal Return, which is what really kind of blew up Meow Wolf to the world, that's only been completed for like two years. When you guys were filming, were you already filming as they were setting that up? Like, how long have you guys been on board? And at the time, were you wondering if your film would change relevancy whether or not it succeeded or failed type of thing? Well, I was, I was shooting during the build out as a volunteer. I was a volunteer, almost everyone, when you see the film, you'll kind of, you'll find out the makeup of how they built this crazy, crazy immersive permanent art installation. Um, was, yeah, I started smearing scratch on trees to make friends and I guess, um, <laughs> and then, started shooting behind the scenes and kept shooting with a very unclear intention of what was gonna come of the footage. It just seemed obvious that documentation needed to happen. Um, and there was a time that actually, they, some of the, a couple of them were just so stressed out that they didn't want cameras in there anymore. They wanted us to stop shooting, but Lindsay Kennedy, um, who also shot a lot during the build out, she was persistent and kept shooting. And, um, and so honestly, we didn't know that anything was going to come out of the film, um, and it was really Meow Wolf had to get on its feet for like the, the first six months to figure out how important it was to then start thinking about actually doing something with their story and seeing how it was, it was changing so much just as how, rap how rapidly the nature and the dynamics of the group are changing with the success of the House of Eternal Return is really hard to keep up with. Um, so we were kind of combating that while trying to tell the story of the last, you know, you know, 10 years, but also really see that through the lens of now, too, um, and kind of connect all of those things together. So, um, it, yeah, it was, it's really been a process of evolution to get to this point. It's kind of funny. There's, like, a point in the film which I think documentary filmmakers notice. Someone's like, oh, this is, you could put this in the documentary, and someone off camera, I don't know, Lindsay, is yeah. like, there's no documentary. <laughs> 
Nice meta Nicole moment. Says, yeah, right. It's <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think they, everyone's pretty used to having a camera around by now. <laughs> That's another interesting thing about coming on to make this film about a group like Meow Wolf who are visual artists themselves and they've been making films and using media and to, to make art. That's such a, even though it's a collective, it, there's like this distinct visual aesthetics that they have and that Meow Wolf represents and footage of theirs that you're working with. What was your guys' strategy to make the film be true to that aesthetic? And maybe you can speak too to some of these really cool animations that are in the film and just coming up with the strategy of the visuals that would make the story as cool as Meow Wolf's visuals are. Well, it actually started out of total panic because we <laughs> are telling a story that's 10 years, you know, along. So when we're telling it from the beginning, there's very little footage of that beginning and very little to go on visually except for an interview that's been shot in the present tense. So we can't just have this be a talking head film that is not what Meow Wolf is, that doesn't reflect the character of it. So... Um, we knew we were in trouble and that we had to really commit to making this visual layer that was as expressive and as diverse and as wacky as the art that Meow Wolf makes. So in a way it gave us license to do that, you know, who they are and, and we needed to reflect that. Um, but then there was just the absolute necessity of there are certain key stories that were told that we have to have in the film and there's no footage of that. And, how are we going to do that? So we luckily have an amazing animator and um, named Brad Wolfley and also Alec uh, Brown, two, two animators really, who helped us make these magical little segments that, you know, they become really wonderful in the telling because of the animation as well. And I think we wanted to push past like a, another layer of, of reality, I guess, which is a big part of the narratives that and the work that Meow Wolf does is shifting reality for people through these immersive experiences. So we didn't have to play into the same reality. Instead, we, um, we were actually, we knew we needed to embrace that chaotic nature, these alternate universes that they're creating. We needed to tap into that. Um, and so we knew that animation was gonna be a really key way to just kind of go there visually. And the way, like Jelaine was saying, the way we had this footage from all over the place, it's, it's not connected, mind you. It's not the footage that is necessarily going to fit your scene. So we had to be really creative about how we used it and how we slapped things together from different shows. And it, yeah, it's, it more became this, yeah, like visual collage in a way for certain parts of the film um, until, we, until we get into you know, their more present story in the House of Eternal Return. And I think up. our editor, Alessandra, was really good at sort of eking everything out of the footage that we had <laughs> as well and yeah. being super creative. Yeah, making sure that, you know, yeah. She, she, was, she did an amazing job of elevating that visually. Yeah, and there is so much interesting stuff in there, even if it's like was limited to the story you're trying to tell, like people, somebody dressing up as a alien some plot line of some random thing they did but somehow it fits in like you guys did a great job of just bringing to life who they were you know and and still telling the story <laughs> well you have those like serendipitous moments where you're like oh we have that shot of so-and-so <laughs> yeah. you know being a dragon and eating whatever i don't know <laughs> <laughs> seeing as 
things are so collaborative, seeing that Meow Wolf is a collaborative effort, did you feel the need to show them different cuts and get input, or is that something that you wanted to avoid doing? Like, what was important to make the film the way you guys saw it? Well, I think that is, you know, that's part of what was, what for us, our journey making this film reflects Meow Wolf's journey to build the House of Eternal Return or any of these projects where, you know, big ideas, big expectations, and, you know, not necessarily the resources to pull that off or the amount of time to pull that off comfortably how you would want to. And so that our team became incredibly collaborative. Jalan, Alessandra, and I spent all of our time together just kind of living in in this reality. And so, you know, it's important to us, our, our integrity as filmmakers, to that this was a film. This was not uh, an advertisement. This was not a piece of branded content. Um, and so, you know, it it took you know I would say it took it took some convincing on our side a lot of times that like you know we know what we're doing and like you can trust us to tell this story and they did you know a lot of the time but it's hard you know and it's hard to have the subjects of your film um, see the process um, so we were we that definitely played into our challenge but ultimately like everyone you know the group was is so happy with the film which makes us feel really proud because we we fought to keep it um to keep it outside of too much of the the grasp of of the group while still like allowing them to feel um included yeah would you add to that well just to say that the they didn't have that much input overall. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's one of my big fears as a documentary filmmaker is like, you want people to feel good about how they're portrayed, but then you also know that they can't be objective about themselves either. So it's this fine line of, you know, holding their hand and also respecting who they are and what they're about and not, um, you know, trespassing that I guess you know really trying to get at the essence of who everybody is and what they're bringing to the table and you know keeping them <laughs> right building up that trust yeah, in and, check. and they did cool. and they did they did give us free I mean we we were out in our edit hole for so long and I don't think many people wanted to like come out there so we were <laughs> your edit hole yeah we don't go over there nest so Meow Wolf, and you see this in the, in the film you guys made, they just want, there's this feeling that they want to grow and keep going. And, you know, with House of Eternal Return, you see that they have other things in mind that they're building. And one thing about that that I've been hearing about is the entertainment um, arm division of Meow Wolf. And I know you guys even mentioned before we started recording that you just come from an entertainment meeting. So can you... Give us a little insight to what is this entertainment arm of Meow Wolf kind of about, and is it gonna become something? Like what's what's in store? Sure. Um, so I was not working for Meow Wolf. I just came on board after the film was finished, and um, now I'm working in the nonfiction department. But Head what of nonfiction <laughs> department? Oh, what <laughs> what Meow Wolf Entertainment is all about is first and foremost, it's about um, 
creating content for some upcoming exhibits uh, that Meow Wolf is building, one in Denver and one in Las Vegas. And they're very multimedia experiences. So there's a lot of video and um, AR and VR things built into the experience of going into those exhibits. Um, but that's not exactly what Morgan and I are doing. We're um, working on more nonfiction. So some of that is continuing to document the company. Some of that is creating new documentaries um, that stand alone and stand outside of other things that the company's doing. Um, so there's many different um, tentacles of Meow Wolf <laughs> Entertainment. And, there's you know, VR, one is, podcasts, yeah, um, animation, um, documentary, narrative. Music um, videos. Yeah. Just a lot of media coming out, mm -hmm. um, a variety of media coming out. But I think for Jolanne and I as filmmakers, um, we're interested in, in long form content and storytelling. And so, I mean, I think if you've seen the film, you can understand how captivating this group is. And so I think as documentarians, it's like, we're still observing and watching this group grow and evolve and um, it, it informs our work here and our experience. So when you guys are talking about these different things that are happening for the installations and the long form stuff that you're interested in, is that something that you foresee in the next few years, five, 10 years, like Meow Wolf, is this gonna grow to be a place where you could essentially like this production arm where this could keep happening, you can work on longer form under them or? Hopefully, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're developing things right now. So, you know, hopefully in the next year we'll be going into production on those, um, and like I said, they're not necessarily tied to an exhibit that Meow Wolf is doing. You know, I think they're amazingly um, ambitious as a company and kind of want to become a much weirder, more creative, more original Disney, you know, if it were. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Soundstripe is a stock music service made for video producers. They offer a great variety of high quality royalty free songs and their unlimited licensing model is one of a kind in the industry. Soundstripe is designed to make it easy, profitable, and fun for you to add great music to your videos. Access to unlimited royalty-free music means you can create more of the content you love. Get inspired with music that elevates your video production value and sets the perfect tone. They have the best customers, including Bill from Iowa, who said, Good customer service seems hard to find these days, but exceptional customer service is almost impossible to come across. The folks at Soundstripe have met my every expectation, and therefore I rate them with unicorn status. Find the perfect song for your next project today. Save 10% on a Soundstripe subscription using the promo code NOFILMSCHOOL at checkout at soundstripe.com. Create with confidence. Create with Soundstripe. How would you guys describe the film scene in, in Santa Fe? I mean, obviously, I know some things that get shot in Albuquerque and in New Mexico in general. What's Santa Fe like? Is, are there other places in town? What's the scene like? How does Meow Wolf fit into that scene? I mean, I don't really know, so don't we? <laughs> We're kind of, Meow Wolf is kind of its own universe, and it's building <laughs> something that uh, is nothing like I've ever seen before. I mean, but in terms of the landscape of the industry here in Santa Fe and in New Mexico, it's pretty robust for such a remote location. I mean, we have a good tax incentive in our state, so many features and televisions things and commercials get shot here. So we have actually a really strong stable of below the line craftspeople in this area. 
and where we are weaker in terms of industry is sort of the above the line, the the creatives, and that's something that the film industry is trying to address and I think it stems from not a lot of resources you know the resources come in with big productions and of course you can get hired but there isn't a lot of like development funding here you know there aren't any development entities per se so people are still looking outside the state to fund you know projects and that is a, a stopping point in some ways but Meow Wolf is sort of sidestepping that and pulling in a lot of these really good craftspeople and and a lot of these um, younger people who have come out of film school here which there are actually three film schools you know in this area actually two now one just closed but um, a relatively high uh, amount of training for such a small location but it's you know, if you, I lived in Los Angeles for 14 years and it, it, I, I still wanted to be in the industry and this was a place where I could do it to a certain degree, but have a better quality of life. So I'm sure there's some filmmakers listening. They're probably like, Oh, that sounds great. Like I'm a budding director. This could be uh, a place I should move to immediately. <laughs> um, what would you say? Like, I mean, is that something if somebody moved here, how can they break into the scene or is this the right time? Like for people listening to this that might think this sounds interesting, like what do you guys? I would say keep looking at the Meow Wolf website. They're always posting jobs. And um, you know, uh, they're, they're gonna be generating so much content in the next two years to feed these exhibitions and hiring a lot of contract workers. So I would say that yes, there, there will be a lot of creative opportunities here. It's cool to be able to say that, but I, I think that's true. Um, and something the company is really interested in too is is hiring you know diverse voices and you know that is something they're striving for and and getting better at but that's a, a sort of you know because the company is very homogenous looking right now and you'll see that in the film um, it's a lot of um, it's like it's almost exclusively white group of people that that follows the film and you know is is not diverse in its makeup up until the point of the house opening everything was completely elective there wasn't a hiring process there wasn't a selection process that's it was based on radical inclusivity but and volunteerism and volunteerism <laughs> and radical like, volunteerism, right, radical right, volunteerism, radical volunteerism. <laughs> which it was yeah. completely <laughs> and so now they're in a completely different position and have a completely new um, responsibility to to elevate a number of voices and not just those of the group that had been involved were the first ones to be hired because in some ways they created those jobs for themselves working for years and years and years and so at the base of it it looks one way and I think that 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 can be seen as something really you know troubling but at the same time given how much it's part of the conversation that we're having I think it's it's really good to to hold them to that and hold them to all of these things that they're growing with the ambitions to hold on to, you know, their integrity, I, it, it feels important to be, you know, part of the group holding to them to that. And, and we, you know, they're, we're all hustling, everyone's hustling <laughs> their asses exactly. off. So, yeah. And people should probably check out Meow Wolf, Origin Wolf, to just get a sense of what they might be stepping into. Meow what do you guys see as sort of the, when do you think might people be able to see it, hopefully? 
Meow so, origin hopes, story. Yeah, so the film Meow Wolf origin story is going to be released widely in November. Oh, awesome. Yeah, it'll be, we're, we're developing um, an amazing distribution plan right now. We're going to have a big premiere night in the middle of November, like many, many cities, and then nice. it'll be available on VOD shortly after that. Very so cool. the website to uh, get updates would be meowwolf.com slash documentary. Cool. And I'll be linked to that. And yes. we could even do something in the future to see what the heck your distribution plan yes. is. Because everyone's like, how should I distribute cool. my film? Cool. Right. That sounds that like you guys really know what fun. to do. Yeah. Well, we, we have an amazing um, PMD, uh, Mia Bruno, that um, we're really A producer of marketing and distribution? Yes. yes. In case people were wondering. Oh, right. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. They probably weren't. <laughs> were you listeners? I don't know. Very cool. PMD. Yeah. I mean, and it's just knowing where you guys are coming from, I just can only imagine a very cool yeah. opening night. Taking out pretty lots of parties. Yeah. Creative <laughs> approach to very the whole creative. thing. Yeah. What would you say if you were going to end on maybe some advice for people and the meow wolf feeling you get is these outsiders looking in, but then they became insiders just by creating their own thing. And it's cool to meet you guys and hear what you're doing here and how that coincides with your own filmmaking and What's your advice for other filmmakers listening and going, oh, gosh, I'm an outsider and I just want to make my own thing, too. How do I get to that? What would you say? Make your own thing. Like, yeah. if you learn anything from Meow Wolf, it's don't take no for an answer and don't stop trying. And don't do too much of someone else's work. Don't, work, don't necessarily work your ass off and give all of your creative brain space to somebody else's vision. Like, that was a big lesson for me as a filmmaker, as a young filmmaker, and we got to put in our time and dues, and it's important to be learning every day and to be like a student of our of our art form, but also having the confidence in your work to just to not wait around to make something happen. And documentary, especially, is kind of DIY in nature. So um, I think that it's 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 motivating to approach filmmaking in that way. Yeah, that's great. I love that. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you guys both so much for taking the time out to speak to me. Are we in the Meow Wolf headquarters? I don't even no. know what this is. We're in <laughs> Meow Wolf Entertainment. Offices. Meow yeah. Wolf Entertainment offices. But I do want to say the film is, we, we talked about we can, a lot yeah, of philosophical can, things, but I mean, for me, like the film is a blast to watch. It's an experience in itself. It's got a great soundtrack and energy and momentum. And I think if you want to to like tap into a little bit of that world of that feeling of like feeling inspired maybe you're not an artist maybe you are like i think it's it's an important film to watch awesome i agree i watched it and i was like oh gosh i should become a visual artist i should make some cool shit forget this two-dimensional film nonsense no. <laughs> Jolanne would be like oh, some days we're editing i just want to go paint right now <laughs> yeah <laughs> i can make things yeah, yeah i felt that way too so thanks, you guys, so much. Thank you, Thank Oakley. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Meow Wolf Origin Story is currently in its film festival run with upcoming screenings in September at Nevada City Film Festival and Free State Film Festival. You can actually visit meowwolf.com slash documentary and find out more, including what's going to probably be a very creative theatrical release in November. And if you're headed to Santa Fe anytime in the near future, make sure to stop in at Meow Wolf and experience the House of Eternal Return. Don't forget to check their calendar because they always have cool events from eclectic bands to filmmaking workshops that you can enjoy as well. 
If you liked this conversation, come back again for a new one every Monday, as well as on Thursdays for the recap of all the news on Indie Film Weekly. To listen, just search for the No Film School podcast in iTunes or your favorite app. If you're on the outside looking in, well, you can always shoot me a message on Twitter at Oakswagon, anywhere the Volkswagen will go, and the officially sanctioned Twitter at No Film School. And don't forget, there's always a trove of filmmaking treasures that we've been painstakingly compiling for y'all on NoFilmSchool.com. <laughs>